because you're loud. Because I'm projecting. You have your theater voice on. Uh, yes, hear me from the back row. Sorry. I always think you did theater, but you didn't. I didn't. You should have. I should have. I was too shy. Well, I did theater, but I didn't do any of the plays. I just like wrote all the stuff people, other people would do. That's amazing. It was fun. I got <laughs> to boss fun. people around. <laughs> Tell actors what they do. The actors like, love that. I need that. more feeling. Actors love that. <laughs> it's, that's their kink. I'm Joshua. And I'm Brittany. And we're two librarians who talk about sci-fi and fantasy and a little bit of everything else. Hi, everybody. Hey. <laughs> Welcome to another episode. Season three. Season three. Officially. Oh, fish. Because this is our favorite reads episode. Yeah, we just did one each today because it's supposed to be a shorter episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, this is our favorite. So by definition, it should be one. Because you can only have one favorite. No. Oh my gosh. Are we going to fight right now? Yeah. It's like, who's your favorite child? <laughs> you, you love books for different reasons. I like how you just chin butted your I like. did. <laughs> but uh, I, yes, I did pick one. I had to pick one yeah. of 2022. I, I picked one. Yeah, so did I. There are plenty my, of others, but I picked one. <laughs> me, I, there was some that I liked, but this one was like when I saw it and I was like, oh, I need to read that. And when I actually sat down and read it, I'm like, I, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, one of Brett's coworkers, Acacia, she's reading it right now. And oh, she really? actually like via Brett was like, have you read this book? It's really good. Yeah. Oh, oh, good. Since we're talking about your book, I vote that you go first. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Do you like how I just snuck you in there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading R.F. Kuang's Babel. Have you talked about R.F. Kuang? Never. Oh, okay, just kidding. No, no, no. W- would you like to know a little bit about her? Yes. Okay. You know it. <laughs> she's very young. Oh. Uh, yeah. She, look at that chunky book. And she's brilliant, by the way. We get a lot of brilliant authors on we here. We do. Um, I, think, I think... Is she, like, also a lawyer full-time? No. Okay. No, she is, she is a student right now. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? Okay, so R.F. Kuang, you might know her from a series called The Poppy Wars. Yeah. She knocked those out at the ripe old age of 19. Are you kidding Not me? Not kidding. Not kidding. That's bonkers. She was born in Guangzhou, China, uh, and she immigrated to the U.S. at four years old. I th- and Flourished. Uh, flourished, <laughs> yes. She attended Cambridge and Oxford, which is, I think, the inspiration where this came from. So she's smarty pants. She's smarty pants. The, this book takes place in Oxford. Like, that's the main focal of the Book. Okay, but it's probably not the Oxford we know. Oh, no. It's a fantasy equivalent of Oxford. Okay, got it. Yeah. Um, she <laughs> yeah. Uh, she, she uh, is now attending Yale for her PhD in East Asian languages and literature and is releasing her fifth book. Oh, R.F. Kuang, what's your secret? I know you're like dedicated to your She's craft. You're just of, amazing. Lots of wrinkles in that gray matter. You're lots amazing. of wrinkles that's why we love you that means she's really smart in yeah. case you're like yeah, yeah, yeah. what is brain i know about? wrinkle wrinkle in the brain means you're smart <laughs> okay so babel okay. takes place in 1828 yes ma'am babel or babel see i thought it was babel <laughs> i grew up in my life always thinking it was babel but like then Babelfish. and then when yeah and then when i read not read listened to the audiobook the audiobook reader was saying babel or at least in the context of this book, it's Babel. I wonder if it's like potato, potato. I think it might be. Yeah, it right. may be. 1828. What's going on in 1828? 
Mm, we're past the plague, I think. Yeah. I mean, the bubonic plague, of yeah. course, yes. We're past that. But there's mm. other diseases running around. <laughs> this is the year of, I think it's, it's getting into the Victorian age. I think it's just the tail end of the Regency. Victoria, Queen Victoria is coming of age and she's going to ascend the throne. It's the British Empire. As they say, the sun never set on the British Empire. It's, it has India, parts of China. And we, we start in this little harbor area in Canton, China. I think it's Hong Kong. And we meet a boy who's like lying on his bed. He's dying. He's next oh. to his mother who has passed. Uh, he's Sorry, sick. I shouldn't say you. Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> it's sad. They've succumbed to cholera, oh. which was, was the plague at that time. Yeah. I was thinking, I was like, cholera's poopies, right? Yeah, it's poopies. Okay, got it. It's, it's what you get from drinking poopy water. Yeah. I was like, which one's that one? In my head, I thought... <laughs> Scurvy? And I was like, no. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, do they not have enough vitamin C? They also C? had a lot of scurvy. <laughs> <laughs> In his fever, he sees a white foreigner appear. He puts a silver bar on his tongue and asks him to say a foreign word, a word in English. And the boy says it. And he tastes something sweet. And he feels like his strength returning. The poison, the cholera, the, the disease the is like the poopy water is like seeped up from his body that's cool and he's healed that's cool yeah and this man has said he has decided he's going to take this boy as his ward and take him from canton to shining england the most powerful nation in the world at this okay. point of time all right yes do i trust this dude do you trust this dude well <laughs> We'll get to that. There's a we'll power imbalance that. right now. I don't uh, know if I trust There him. is, yes. Absolutely a power imbalance. This boy, is his destiny is to be taught in Oxford and become a translator. Okay. Yeah. Little thing about England in this book. This is a magical, realistic, historical fantasy. So a lot of the aspects in here, the, the time period and the events that happen in the book you can correlate with actual historical events at this time period. That's cool. But there is a, a little magic that kind of gives England her industrial power, and that is silvercraft. England colonizes these countries in order to draw in the silver. So yeah, translators are very important in this place because they are the ones who engrave language onto the silver and gives the silver their power. Oh. And this magic has allowed England to have um, bells that ring on time. You have the power to heal disease uh, on a silver bar. Uh, also to have guns shoot further and stronger. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but back to this boy, he is being brought up by this man who's kind of like really distant with him. Mm. Like the boy really wants to be considered this guy his father. The only good thing is, is that the boy gets to choose his name. Okay. Um, he picks the name Robin Swift. Because he likes birds, Jonathan Swift, I think oh, the writer. Yeah, so he okay. picked Swift. He's allowed to go to Oxford. You remember your first year of college, right? Yeah. What was, what was your freshman year like? I was really lucky. Yeah. Because it's going to sound kind of weird. So my first roommate I had met at a camp the year yeah. before. Yeah. And like we had been at camp for a week, and we just we weren't even roommates. We hit it off so well. And then we learned we were both going to Linfield. And oh. she's like, let's be roomies because we know each other. So by knowing her, I got introduced to a lot more friends. Yes. Because I went 
far from Coos Bay. So yeah. there's nobody else from Coos Bay there. Right. So I was really lucky. I had almost a built-in network of friends right as soon as I got there. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, similar, similar happenstance. I just happened to meet my college friends in a line at Globe Theater in, in Ashland. I went to school in Ashland. Nice. And hit it off and just like kind of hung out with each other. That's kind of was how it, it goes. Was, yeah, you, it's just so ha- happenstance. at that point, you're so open. Yeah. You're like, I'm just looking to fit in somewhere. somewhere. And that's freshman year. That's like you're being open, you're learning new things, you're friendly with all the people. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. It's unique. I... I kind of got that feeling from this book too, like when Robin like moves into his shared living space and then he meets a student who would come from India. (laughs) He was also a ward and so kind of similar backgrounds, kind of similar backgrounds. His name's Rami, by the way, Um, Rami and Robin. Yeah. Rami and Robin. Oh my gosh. And they kind of hit it off because they kind of have similar backgrounds. Yeah. Similar thing happened to them. And also the fact that they are, one of the very few non-white students in this university and right off the bat that is made apparent and it's very clear that that rf kuang had a lot to say about this subject about the role of academia in the role of colonialism and also in its role in racism and it, it doesn't pull any punches you guys yeah it's a brutal book but there are some good parts that especially the friendship between remy and robin and later on, there's some. Uh, he meets um, a couple other odd ducks in the Oxford world. There's a girl named Victoire. She is from Haiti, and then another girl named Letty, who is a white English girl. <laughs> okay, yeah. cool. I mean, Oxford at this time, 1800s. You guys, were there many women? Probably not. No, Probably no. Not. Apparently, in this in the library, the the women couldn't really check out books. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> it's Man, kind of, I'd be bootlegging books it's left so and ridiculous. right. Is yeah. your butt twice as big as when you came in here? Don't worry about it. Why is your butt so square? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Mind your beeswax. That's right. That's right. You tell them. I'm just bootlegging you, books. You, you tell the patriarchy. <laughs> Let me have my books. So they kind of enjoy what they have of college life, but... The world is a complicated place. What? And even in the confines of academia, where you're pretty much insulated from everything on the outside, but the world is, exists and it's going to press itself in. Robin sees a group of people with some silver bars and he immediately understands that that's, that's weird because the only silver bars he knows of are in the Tower of Babel in Oxford and oh. they are protected by magical wards. You can't take them out. Oh. So he's like, oh, these people are thieves. But then he sees that their box of silver bars has broken and fallen over, and they're like scrambling to pick them up. He makes a snap decision to help them. Oh, interesting. Yes, to help them. And he activates one of the magic bars to make them invisible. So, oh, cool. <laughs> so they, like, they evade the police. And they are bootlegging silver bars because there is a gross imbalance on who has magic and who hasn't in the empire. Yeah. Is he going to be like a Robin Hood? Oh, my gosh. Robin Swift, Robin Hood. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. And that has huge implications for the history of the empire and also his friendships. Yeah. So if you want to find out what happens with Robin, I highly recommend reading this book. My book is called The Bees. It is by Laylene Paul. And a little bit about Laylene, so I went Googling. And this was from Goodreads' debut author snapshot. So they asked Laylene, 
What came first, the idea to write a dystopian story or the idea to write about life in a beehive? Because it's a mix. It's like if Redwall and a cult book had a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so she replied, The idea to write a story set in a beehive came to me as a gift from a beekeeper friend, Angie, who finally lost her battle with cancer. In some attempt to console myself after losing her, I started reading about the honeybee she loved so much and soon became completely fascinated. Each new and amazing fact I learned drew me onto another so that I felt like Alice in Wonderland falling down the rabbit hole. Only in my case, it was into the beehive, a place teeming with everyday miracles, drama, and danger. My imagination fired up like never before, and I knew I had to write a novel set in this sim- simultaneously real and fantastical world. Okay. Inspired by the bees. Inspired by the bees. So I, I started reading this book while I was vacationing with Megan in Leavenworth. Mm-hmm. It was vacation for me. She was working. So our main character is Flora717, and it begins with her birth. She like comes out of the cell, and she's realizes that you know everybody else around her is being born as well and there's bees taking care of them there's one bee who their wings are deformed and the fertility police are like deformities are not allowed Mm. and they kill that bee well flora 717 she doesn't look like the other bees she's bigger she's kind of furrier and she's darker and initially the fertility police are like she looks different we gotta kill her so in this hive there's cast of bees flora 717 she is part of the lowest cast the sanitation cast there's a high cast of bees called the sage bees they're like the priestesses of this hive so one of the sage bees comes and says no leave her be i want to see what she can do because when she addresses flora 717 flora says hi i am flora 717 she's like a sanitation bee who can talk because most sanitation bees are mute they can't talk. So the sage bee is really curious about her. So she gives Flora, instead of being a sanitation bee, she's like, let's put you in the nursery. Let's have you feed the newborns. So oh, she does that for a while. An and she really likes she it. She takes care of the babies. She takes care of the babies. Hmm. But then she, she notices, like, she typically feeds, like, the baby babies. But there's another part of the nursery where it's like, toddlers kind of mm-hmm. she's really curious about that she kind of wants to move into the toddlers and without going too much like into all the details of this book she ends up getting in trouble mm-hmm. and so her speech is taken away she's pushed into being a sanitation bee again flora 717 is so smart she still retains herself mm-hmm. and she ends up learning so much about the hive because she's been a nursery worker she's now part of sanitation through events in the story she works herself into being a forager bee Mm. so now she gets to leave the hive and go forage so she gets to learn about the outside world Mm. and and then eventually she helps save the hive from an attack from wasp and wasps are very dangerous to they're very (laughs) dangerous I don't know if you y'all know this, but the way that bees kill wasps is they surround the wasp and they cook it. They suffocate it. They yes. suffocate <laughs> it. They like vibrate so fast. They cook it and suffocate it. Yes. And so Flora 717 leads the charge. She's like the brave bee who's like, let's get them. <laughs> and because of that, she has the opportunity to go meet the queen, mm. the mother, who's really interesting 
because it's like Yad's mother, but it's like almost a goddess figure. Yeah, well, she gave birth to every bee in that to hive. Every bee. <laughs> And so, so she releases pheromones where mm-hmm. like the, you know, the bees just fall all over themselves. They're like, yeah. mother. So, and the, the priestess bees are like, you're going to let the sanitation worker in here. And the queen is like, yes, she's a very, she's my brave daughter. It's like, ow, it's so sweet. <laughs> but we start learning. And because Flora 717 has been everywhere, she's, she's not just a sanitation worker because most of the time the, the bees have one job mm-hmm. she's now worked a bunch of jobs so she mm-hmm. has a, a greater understanding of the hive she's realizing that something is wrong a bunch of the newborns are starting to die oh no and the the sage bees are trying to keep it secret <gasps> but people are realizing like something's wrong something you can't keep that stuff secret no <laughs> they're gonna notice like oh those babies are dead yeah yeah like <laughs> some of the drones are coming out like malformed Uh that's no bueno Mm. (laughs) this book is really interesting because it really is the real lives of bees mixed with kind of like a fictional cultish feel of the hive Mm -hmm. as it says on the back except obey serve flora 717 is expected to do these things and she is kind of breaking the mold a little bit and then she commits the biggest crime that anybody could commit it would mean instant death (gasps) She lays an egg. Oh, no. <laughs> How does that happen? She didn't mean to. She doesn't She doesn't know what's happening to her. She, like, all of a sudden lays an egg. And then she starts finding other eggs that are not the queens. They've been, like, hidden away. Hmm. But those princesses who have emerged have been slaughtered. Hmm. So she's trying to figure out what's going on in this hive. And then... She has the same feeling towards her egg as she does towards like the mother queen of like my baby. Mm. Like she's, she can't help it. She's so protective. She's like, this is my egg. This is my baby. Mm. So because she's worked in the nursery, she knows how to make a cell Yeah, for an egg to go in. So, <gasps> so she, she makes her own cell. She makes her own cell. She's a rebel. She's Uh-oh. a complete rebel. <laughs> I love Flora 717. I low-key would love to get like a Flora 717 like tattoo, like honeybee. <laughs> she's so cool i love her so much because she's so smart and like she really does her best to serve the hive like she loves the queen and her people but she she's recognizing like something's wrong like Mm -hmm. the caste system is a bummer it's great we get to learn about the drones oh my gosh they're so gross they're like frat boys they're all boys they're all boys (laughs) and all all the other bees are like we need to feed the drones and the drones like they go out I don't know if it's every day, but they go out and they all chase a princess from like a different hive and everybody who fails has to come back. Okay. And it's very much like a frat party. Yeah. Well, I mean, their, their only job is to impregnate, impregnate a princess. Yes. <laughs> so they're kind of gross, but Flora ends up making friends with one of them. Uh-huh. Surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then I learned like what happens in a hive during winter. I had no idea. Huh. Did do you know? Um, I imagine that there's a lot of, fanning and stuff like cir- heat circulation no no what do they do they all create like this ball uh-huh. of themselves and they don't fan it's like they hibernate oh okay. and they slowly rotate because like oh, the food's yeah. at the okay. top so you have to wait your turn everybody gets a turn to eat the food that they've gathered all summer long mm-hmm. it's so weird because mm. at one point she like She's like, I am starving. Like, I'm not going to survive. So she breaks from the hive and she goes and she finds a greenhouse and eats. 
and then makes her way back. <laughs> it's I had That's no why idea. We see sometimes rogue bees flying around in winter. Winter, maybe <laughs> that rare bee. Yeah, hmm, interesting. So it's really oh, and then another cool thing. Sorry, I'm almost done. So in this world, spiders are like oracles. Oh, cool. Yes, so, they are. <laughs> so like you know, all the webs come out and. They know, like, there's more common knowledge that something is wrong with the hive. Mm. And, like, we're not finding flowers and our babies are dying. So the spider says, if you send us a nice juicy snack, we might tell you something. (laughs) So they do. They send out bees to go die. And they get secrets back. It's like a weird, interesting take on, like, spiders and bees. And, like, it was was dark. (laughs) Yeah, because like in this book, you see a lot of bees sacrificed for a myriad of reasons. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. If people like Redwall, if you like cults. <laughs> it sounds like a great blend of actual bee facts with fantasy in, in a fantasy trope. It sounds, yeah, yeah it the sounds really great. The end is a little bittersweet, but I still really liked it. Mm-hmm. It's also really interesting too, because like, at the very beginning, you get the perspective of the humans. Like, oh, like, I'm going to go check out the hive today. And at the end, you get those humans again being like, oh, I got to go check out the hive now. And you see the difference between the beginning and the end and what's mm. happened with the hive. Mm-hmm. So mm. I highly recommend it. I've been giving it to a lot of book boxers. <laughs> yeah. I think I'll be giving this one too. So if you if you want to learn about bees and have a cool cultish story in the middle of it. I love cults. Love me some cults. I love cults. So I would highly recommend The Bees by Laylene Paul. The Bees. The Bees. Yes. All right. So that's our Those are our recommendations for the year of 2022. My favorite reads. So yours was Babel. Babel by R.F. Kuang. And mine was The Bees by Laylene Paul. All right. So don't forget to watch what you want. Play what you want. And read read what what you you want. want. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. Hey, everybody. This is Brittany here. Feel free to check out the show notes for any details of things we might have talked about. And always feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks. I have a problem with winter. <laughs> so my face gets dry. <laughs> As you can see. Lee. I was like, since we're doing video, I'm going to point that out. This is why we need to shout, makeup, makeup, makeup. <laughs> Fix my face. We need a little bell. We need lots of things. <laughs> I like okay. how we, we act like we're so rotten. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if somebody were doing my makeup, I'd be like, I love